guys. Welcome back to another episode of HBO Girls Rewatch. I'm Amelia. Evan's washing stuff off their face right now. Um, this is an episode that's just going to be us. Now that we've watched every episode of season one, we thought it'd be good to just like take a second and really ruminate and sit in everything that happened in season one. That way we're kind of all processed and ready to rock and roll for season two. We're so excited because we're going to be introducing some new segments in the new season and, you know, rest in peace to some of the old ones. And it's going to be amazing. Evan's back. Did I get it? Yeah. I don't even know. It was pink. I was like rubbing off my face and it came off pink, but all I had today was a smoothie. It was green. Hmm. No, so it's, I can't even tell you what it could possibly be. You know, maybe it's the sun reacting to green um, smoothie. No, it's like going through fall. No, like, you know how like <laughs> primer and makeup and stuff, they're like, oh, your face is a little red. We'll give you green. To neutralize. Oh, okay. So now it's doing the exact op. Yeah. So it's kind of reversing. Well, I think it's photosynthesis. I think those mm. spinach leaves were actually knowing the sun was going down. What do people bit do colder to today. dye shirts pink? And they take avocado seeds and then they let them boil in water. See? And avocados are green. So But the seeds that. aren't. Okay. Well, they're brown. See, brown. So that doesn't make sense either. No. And that is, once again, why this is not a science podcast. I ate one podcast. jelly bean, but it was green, too. Sour? A sour green jelly bean, and then I had a smoothie. What about the guava Celsius? Well, it was pink before that. I thought I was cursed, and I didn't even try to rub it off, and it did come off. I just thought uh, it was something that was going to be a facial deformity for my whole life. It's so cozy with the just us. Well, it's, it's so nice that you get to be able to like look in your eyes, learn about you for once. I know. We could just be ourselves for once instead of trying to put on a damn show for the guests. <laughs> Amelia actually got really mad at me last episode because I wouldn't look at her when I was doing analyze mode. And I cut that part out because I didn't want y'all seeing us fighting on screen. <laughs> on screen audio be fine though honestly. audio you guys can sense it's it. visceral it's asmr um we just watched all of the season one inside the episodes bonus features that are available on hbo like, max little synopsises it's like three minutes I mean, for each episode up. of lena dunham being like here's my whole vision for this and it's of course what we've been theorizing all along except i think evan was a little bit shocked by some of it well, being like oh lena has thoughts no it's a cr- <laughs> your eyes looked like they were widening as you no, were watching i know I, I like obviously knew that she had thoughts this whole time that wasn't that was never the issue i just didn't know it's like for someone to be in such a mature writing position at such a young age to have a show on hbo and to speak in such a vernacular it's so similar to my own and like be quirky and like weird in a way that i find myself being now and also being in such a professional insane setting it's like it's so crazy she did that. And I think I had that, I had that, I've always had this realization, but it was so visceral, this take of that. But yeah, so basically we're going to map out the character arcs of each of the four girls in this episode and just review it and then talk about what's in store for season two. <laughs> ah, but first, let's do our classic. Girl, girl what, what girl, girl are you? you? This might come as a shocker to some, but I really do think I'm a Hannah overall this season. In the sense where I really relate to Hannah with, she's so reflective in the sense of like, 
when she talks to her parents and that like you always regress and like that's so visceral and I really was able to relate to that and it's nice I'm sure all the characters are like that but it's so interesting because I have a similar relationship to her parents that she has with her parents that I have with my own and like the sense of like she's self-aware in the show or are you talking about Lena in terms of Hannah well just because I don't think Hannah was very self-aware when she was home no I think she is a bit self-aware I think that's why she gets so judgmental of the girl who's, like, going to L.A. to pursue her dreams. Like, yes, it's hypercritical, but I also think it's, like, she feels like it's part of herself in that. And maybe she's not speaking that, but I do think in a sense that she is taking the time. Or she, at least in part of her, knows that, like, that's her story as well. That she's not the most talented person on earth, but she's going to try and go out and chase a creative dream. Mm -hmm. And that character arc with what's the girl's name Heather mm-hmm. it's so it's actually somewhat similar to Lena's own story it's really just such a fight to be creative in some sense especially when you have to demo, like capitalize on your creativity mm-hmm. and like that whole aspect I mean Lena in this episode is going like so her the person that she's dating goes on a date was like so what do the you do pharmacist? in New York yeah the pharmacist mm. it's like the episode yeah, exactly. we're referring to is the one um where she goes back to hometown, hometown. I think it's yeah. episode six so the pharmacist is like what do you do in New York I'm a writer and is she really writing now is her work anywhere out there in the world no not really even at the writers group where she goes in episode seven the writers group and like where her old professor invites her back she like does such like a thing that she wrote on the train and it's her first impression in public in a while and it's so, like, not really her. And, like, what is she really doing that's so creative? And But she's still a writer first with not actually having any tangible writing out there. There's so many other points, but that's such a specific example for me that I felt so connected to. Like, I really do feel like I am a Hannah. You're yeah. basically, like, if we look at what the four girls are up to, career-wise is the main anxiety Hannah's having. And it's like we see, like, what categories of life are people in the early 20s struggling with? And in season one, the anxiety of career is so much weighing on Hannah in terms of, like, she wants these big, big goals, and she doesn't know how to get them, and she also doesn't have the confidence to know how to pursue it. So she's just feeling really down and still not used to, like, the freedom of, like, once you graduate college, like, it's not all set up for you, and, like, whatever dream you have, you really have to go build it and, like, figure it out, and nobody's just going to hand it to you. And I think her parents cutting her off is, like, the first time she's really had to be, like, oh, I have to, like, go figure this out, like, it's not just going to, like, land in my lap. And so it's the idea that, like, you've been focusing on, like, your career stuff with, like, all your job switches in the last couple months and you being like, oh, well, what do I want? And you've been trying comedy for, like, a year now. So you're like, oh, like, now that I know a little bit more about this world, I realize, like, how big it is and how hard it is. It's, like, identifying as a creative and, like, wanting to produce, pursue something that's, like, is partially part of your essence and, like, using that as a, for commercial gain mm-hmm. is like so insane and like yeah. it's it's really operates in this weird sense where you're really trying to discover your own voice or also trying to discover a voice that like is like brand friendly and like works in a specific narrative because there's only so many avenues you can like really use a voice and I think like our social media generation 
has opened up so much more opportunity. But it's also us. very limiting in Still, the terms yeah. of like, even like you being like, what kind of stuff do I want to do on TikTok? Like you're already like, how do I represent myself as a person when I don't know who I am? And no, it's exactly. Like, let me decide what type of person online. Cause you have to establish yourself online as a thing. No, you need it. So a you're like, what am I going to do? No, everyone's advice ever that I ever talk on the phone to is like, discover your brand and use it's it like and it's like niche down and it's like you down. like literally when we started the podcast you were like customer experience designed for healthcare no it's 3d printing every day yeah like so random and i haven't even touched a 3d printer since okay and amelia what girl are you so overall i am a marnie of course i think marnie in this season is really this season was all about her being so set up and having those um structures ripped away from her one by one it's like her roommate falling out with hannah hannah was like her constant since she moved to new york her boyfriend that she moved to new york with constant taken away um she still has her job right now but i know she's about to lose that But it's basically like Marnie is dealing with for the first time the idea that like the image in her head of what she wants her life to be like was no longer serving her or making her happy. And so now she has to figure out a new path Mm. and that and she's really scared about that. And she also is so aware of how regimented she's made her life thus far. And she's aware of how she wants to be more free and more... um, like accepting of different things. And I feel like I've been so that way in the past three well, months. Yeah. I think Marnie's so gifted kid burnout this season where it's like child who like got all A's and even in college was doing like so Check. Well. She's checked all the boxes. Yeah. She checked all the boxes and now she's like, okay, what do I want and who am I? And like we see, especially in the season finale, when she like kisses Bobby Moynihan and is trying to be the bigger person and like be like water under the bridge with a be a fight with Elijah and, and Hannah, like just trying to be cordial. And then even like season one, episode one, Marnie um, would not be okay with Jessica getting married, but season one, episode ten, Marnie is okay. I just feel Marnie. Well, I think you really are Marnie because. Well, you're, it's such an essence of like, you really do present like control and you really do present, like, I, you're becoming more carefree in this I sense I think too. like Marnie's whole thing is that she wants to be so in control of everything in her life. And I so want to be in control of everything in my life. But through journaling the past three months, I've realized like how much life I'm missing out on by living so regimented and like not opening myself up to things and like not taking chances on like things that um like I couldn't necessarily like predict the end game of. You both were having a realization of like embracing the parts that in your life that are already a bit more carefree and like even with the the hecticness, you guys are both finding balance throughout it. Totally. And that's such a close comparison. Yeah. And I'm just I'm not Shoshana or Jessa and I'm not really Hannah, so it's almost impossible for an overall season review. It'd be very hard to be a Shoshana because we learn compared to other seasons, we learned so little about her. Totally. I mean, this was the season where she wasn't going to be a main girl necessarily. Yeah. Where in other seasons, we really get to really dig into her character more. Yeah. This is a girl who's like 
going to class and like saying crazy things and like her whole arc is that she's not virgin to virgin i mean virgin, virgin to, to not virgin well with that i think we should dive into each of the girls <sighs> what girl do you want to start out with shoshana shoshana it's easy. okay so we're gonna do a character breakdown Shoshana, let's map out what happened to her this season. So basically what we see from Shoshana in season one is her being very insecure about her lack of sexual experience. She really feels behind in that way. And she's really excited to have like kind of the older, wiser energy of Jessa living with her. And then also the run-ins between her and Hannah and her and Marnie. Um, like going to the abortion, like all the sort of events that bring them all together throughout the season. And really this season for Shoshana is all about her trying new things because she does really want to experience like New York City and she's loving all the opportunities she's getting from circling around these girls, like going to the party and like meeting Ray and like accidentally doing crack, like You know, she's really trying to experience (laughs) being young in the city. And so we really do see her put herself in situations that she's only heard about on Sex and the City. No, 100%. And then she's like experiencing them in real time. And we, it's really fun to get to see her in this season. Just kind of get to experience things for the first time and just kind of have wide eyes and be learning so much. And then the season, of course, ends with her finally losing her virginity to Ray, which is interesting because it's like, in the season, we don't really see Shoshana take any interest in Ray, and she really is just like taking interest in Ray because Ray is taking interest in her, and we can get into that, and I'm sure we will in season two as their relationship kind of blossoms from here. But it's like it does seem odd that Shoshana's like, I will hook up with this old man. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Well, Shoshana, but she's so yeah, desperate. exactly. She's so desperate. I think something in New York City compared to even going to just college in general is, like, find the essence of, like, being cool. Mm -hmm. Like, going to a Bushwick house party and, like, smoking someone's weed in the line to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. It's the essence of, like, trying to, like, be cool and chill. It's so, like, I feel like very much, like, the essence of, like, when I would work here during the summers and, like, have internships Mm -hmm. and, like, being in the city. And, like, there's just so many intimidating people mm-hmm. in New York City compared to where I was going to college in DC or New Orleans like mm-hmm. so many like it's so in, it is so intimidating you're trying to like be so chill about it and like you will literally do anything anyone tells you peer pressure is so different here than it is you would find in college because it's so much like everyone already has made an assumption that you're already participating in these things we're in college where it's like there's a little bit more like I really it's like it's very like if you've done something like smoked weed or like taken acid or blah 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 it's so performative in a sense it's like i've done this you guys are gonna love it yeah but in new york it's like hey people here are really living it yeah whereas it feels like in college everybody's putting on a little show of who they are no exactly where it's like when you meet people in new york you're like no they this is their truth they're not putting on a show but we find out they kind of are pretty quick no they are putting on a show but you it's so much harder to read that Then people that are so silly in like a frat basement. 
Shoshana this season so reminds me of me when I worked at like a weird media startup in LA (laughs) and just was like constantly just surrounding myself with like people I didn't feel comfortable with that were acting so crazy and I had to be so chill and normal and be like yeah that's totally comfortable only doing with like LA influencers it was all all LA influencers and like weird rich white dudes who had cocaine problems it was cool well, that's actually, it's it's so cool that that is depicted as the coolest thing ever. I know. And it's actually so sad. And like their rooms are really dirty. It's like clean your house. <laughs> and like everybody's so rich, but their lives, their cars are so like filled with crap. And like all they do is sleep all day and like live off of Red Bulls. Like things can be so dark. Okay. I'm off topic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this. Celsius is something completely different. It's so different. <laughs> Um, what do we think now that Shoshana has had sex? How's she going to be different in these coming seasons? Oh my God. Well, now that she's had sex, I think she thinks so much more will change for her. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think the biggest thing we will say is that she gets more confident. Like in this season, Shoshana starts off truly so innocent. It's like her, the ways we see her depicted, her and damn snuggy, her abortion clinic talking about Dylan's candy bar. Her reading a book that, like, someone from, like, it's Cosmopolitan like, Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. It's so girl. It's like, how to date. Yeah, she's so, <laughs> um, she's so, I mean, she, it's just pretty much, like, the first introduction we get to Shoshana and the way, like, Lena even wrote, like, the pitch of, like, what Shoshana's character is, is, like, NYU student obsessed with sex in the city. <laughs> and it's like every scene of Shoshana this season is a vignette of what a girl who's obsessed with sex in the city and trying to become that, but being so young and naive would do. Oh, they depict her as a freshman too. Like so she isn't little. necessarily a freshman in the show, but they depict her as a freshman. Yeah, like she's never been outside before. No, it's like this is her first taste. I love it, which I feel like, okay, should we dive into... Um, her foil of Jessa. <laughs> to use the word foil on our damn podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to try Shoshana, that. to quote Kira, who was episode eight guest. Kira Knightley. Oh, wait, episode seven. <laughs> to quote Kira Knightley. Um, Super Kira. Jessa, Jessa's kind of Shosha's Wario. Is that what she said? No, she's, she's she said she that Hannah, Hannah is, is her, her Wario. But the idea is that. Yes, 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 yes. I'm paralleling that. I'm mapping that. Sorry, do I have bad posture? And again, can I disagree with you? Yeah, totally. I well, mean, I said it purposely just to like. Start an antidote. Yeah, like I'm trying to do the thing where we like grow our TikTok by making like insane statements so people can get mad at I us. I can talk about Chachamata again. Oh my God. When we brought up Chachamata. <laughs> For me, Sorry. it actually is real, though. I love how mad everybody <laughs> got at Courtney O'Donnell on TikTok. Love that crazy girl. Um, okay, no, I do understand. Like, there is such a there is such a distinct um, contrast between Jessa and Shoshana, but they both. I mean, you can definitely tell their family. Cut from I, the same cloth. They're cut from the same cloth. They're both so like extreme. They're both so extreme. They're both so extreme, which is... Which is like, yeah. are they extreme? Because when you write a television comedy, you have to use exaggerated characters from real people. I don't know. It's just, Okay, and then, so they're cousins, and both of Shoshana's... Okay, I'm going to grab a coffee. Well, just a quick side tangent. This is Evan's segment on 
Is Jessa Jewish? Let's look at the facts. Mel and Mel are both of Shoshana's parents. Shoshana, those are some of the most Jewish names ever imaginable. Shoshana is one of the most Jewish characters ever. Um, to quote Lena Dunham, it's something about being so confident but deeply insecure is the basis of being a Jewish comedian. Is whole is all Shoshana's like take. Um, so what I would say from this is that Jessa does from vibe. Okay, let's do it this way. Genetically, Jessa is partially Jewish. I'm not exactly sure what side um, Shoshana is related to her on, but like she's Jewish genetically, partially. So aesthetically Jewish. I don't think Jews would wear so many animals. Um, so I think aesthetically, I would say no. Personality-wise, no as well. There's no animals like the bird costume, the bird costume and the Bushwick episode. Uh, I don't think Jews would ever go so bohemian. I would love for anyone to correct me, but I think from a bohemian perspective. <laughs> Are you making coffee? Sorry. Um, from a bohemian perspective, it's um okay, I'm wondering it's like she's Jewish in the same way that Gwyneth Paltrow is Jewish. Where Gwyneth Paltrow's Jewish? Her dad's Jewish. Her mom isn't. Um but is she Jewish? Like a little. Like you can tell on the peripheral of all of that that there is Judaism. There's Judaism involved in Jessica's character, but is she Jewish at the core? No, she's too blonde for that. So, in conclusion, one through ten, how Jewish is Jessa? I would give her a four. Jessa is Jewish in the same way that Gwyneth Paltrow is Jewish. It's like, I guess so, but not really. Okay, sorry. I made a coffee. Um, now, now Evan's gone. Well, while Evan's gone, I just want to say I hope you like this type of episode. We thought it'd be good to, you know, not rush by, you know. As New Yorkers, it's so easy to kind of just go, 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 go and not take time to reflect. But since I've been going to yoga all this year, I've really learned the power of letting things simmer and letting things soak in. You know, they say in yoga, shavasana is is really important. That's the part at the end of the yoga class where you just lay it, lay down. And a lot of people are like, oh, we finished the class. Let's just leave. But actually, the entire point of class was to get you ready for shavasana. So I'd like to think that this <laughs> recap episode is Shavasana. Yeah, yeah, I, I said it. I went there. I'm pointing off stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, it's We're so- realizing we have so much to say, so we think we might make this um, a two-parter, and we'll release uh, maybe just Jessa and Shoshana this week and the next week we'll finish I yeah I I really think it's so so well I think it's also so interesting to talk about the um the power of virginity yeah wait what's your virginity story (laughs) I don't want this on the podcast oh you don't want that on the internet forever (laughs) no maybe later <laughs> I'm so Shoshana in that in college I was like everybody's had sex and I haven't yet. I'm just gonna like lose it really quick. And I was it was literally like I think I was 20 and I was like I don't want to turn 21 and still be a virgin. So I literally it was like the weekend before I turned 21. I was like I'm gonna have sex with this person. I know. It was really romantic. That's so insane. <laughs> I'm really latching the fact that people um care about your number like how old you are. I like, know. that's so crazy to me. I know. It's like, let it happen when it happens. I, like, I... 
Yeah, because then it's also like it happens, and then you're like, okay, that felt like nothing. People get so angry over it's upsetting for someone. They're like, someone lost her virginity at 23. What a fucking loser. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's actually the time when someone would be ready to lose her virginity. Totally. It's a different story for everyone. And it's like the way we come to sexuality is just so different. Some of us are just not as like sexually charged or yeah. don't feel comfortable in our bodies to actually experiment in that way. Yeah. And it says so society is such a like a label and a pressure on it. Like you would never guess out the four girls at Marnie's at earliest to lose her virginity, but she is. Yeah. And like it wasn't necessarily she for her story. She was secure. Yeah. Well, she finds security, I think, through having someone being Be obsessed, obsessed with, with her, her, as we learned from Lena. Um, so I think it, that does make sense in some ways, but also... Really quick, will you go grab the agave syrup for me? Mm-hmm. I made the latte too strong. Is it wholesome? Yeah. Well, I, it just, it, it does make me, it's... It's like none of the girls are pressuring her to lose her virginity either. Like Marty Yeah, and it's like shocked. even when like Shoshana is treated as if she treats it as if it's such this Pariah. massive reveal and big secret and everybody's just like, "Oh, interesting." Anyways, like nobody cares and everybody's like, "I'm not worried about that." Like nobody's like, "Oh, you're so weird for that." They're just like, "Oh, interesting." And meanwhile, she feels like the weight of the world and like she has a gun to her head until she loses it. Like if, it's all in her head. No, because it, it's something you feel like people can read about you. Mm-hmm. Like having your virginity is something that people that like people automatically know that about you, and it makes you a lesser person because you haven't like broken your hymen. I I do appreciate Lena participating, like having that part of the story of Shoshana being a virgin and using that as because there's not a lot of shows I can really think of off the top of my head where any character is being motivated by losing their virginity and like being seen as sexual yeah and the whole way that we see in television especially like teen or like young adult content is a man losing their virginity and it's much more about them like being able to like get a girl to sleep with them rather than the idea of like them actually having sex it's more of like them being Mm. able to conquer a woman whereas like what we see from Shoshana is like her not wanting to conquer a man, but wanting to have this experience herself and like, exactly. And her whole journey with that and her whole belief about her. And it's not because some guy hasn't tried to have sex with her. It's like, <laughs> like that's not what's stressing her no, out. She almost loses her virginity. And then like, it actually is seen as a negative by the one person. She's trying not to see it as a negative, which is so fucked up. Literally. Like her camp friend that she almost sleeps with is like, Skylar oh, Austin is like, oh, that's a turn off for use me. His name. I'm not really into <laughs> into virgins. This actually goes back to a really powerful statement I've been trying to convey, and I have no idea how. Where it's that I honestly cannot comprehend how women have such lower body counts than men do. Like it doesn't scientifically. Oh my make god! Any okay, sense. the other week we were hanging out with who? Um, they're going to be a guest on James next yeah, episode. They're going to be a guest on the next episode. But we were like, there's all these studies that say like the average amount of like men. It's like three to eighteen. Like women have three. Per- 
people as body count and men have like 18 and it's like a lot of self-reporting going on. Yeah. So we were like, what, how do the statistics work that men have more sexual partners in their lifetime than women on average if they're having sex no, with each other? It makes no sense. It's a one for one exchange. It would be, it, it'd be impossible for a man, especially, okay. So we're looking at from only like hetero relationships, yeah. right? We're not looking at, um, from any other standpoint. But it'd be impossible for a man to have a sexual partner without a woman also gaining a sexual partner. Like, scientifically, it would make no sense. Like, mathematically. That's basic statistics. Basic statistics. And we were like, oh, what? I think I'm in some for, like, 25 I know, because I was this. like, there's got to be a way for the numbers to work out that no, way. And I'm it, just not Even thinking a, like, it. if there's a three-way, like, both women are getting one sexual partner and the man's getting two sexual partners. So that equals out. Yeah. There's so there, it's impossible. So the only way there's a discrepancy is that men report so much higher to women, and also the way that men and women have an impression of sex and what it is is so different as well. Yeah. So basically, there was like an article that we found on the internet that was basically Harvard. like men always overestimate, mm. and it's like women usually keep a catalog or like know the number exactly. Yes, exactly. So women will be like, "Oh, it's seven, whereas men will be like. I don't really remember probably like, and it's probably seven too, but they're going to round up to like 10 or 15 (laughs) or like the most a woman would say they had was like 50 versus like men would say like 300. Yes, exactly. There was just like massive like overestimations. Um, It's impossible. It is an impossible exchange. And that's another thing is that men has to be the same amount of sexually active. But it's also like women do women would want to say less. Women would want to say. So, yes, again, so it's like men don't. So women always are, for the most part, keeping track of the name usually or like just a number of how many sexual partners. And it's very accurate. Like they have it on their notes app where yeah. men are just like guessing off the top of their head. And like maybe a sex dream they've had once. It's like that's going to a damn number. Yeah. It's like the way they're taking an impression of sex is so different between men and women. But actually, they're the same level of horror. They're and the that's same. a powerful word and a good word. Yeah, men and women are both whores equally. No, it has to be. Like, it is statistically impossible for men and women to be different, and no one's talking about that. Yeah. 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 Say that. This, did you, did y'all hear Evan's angry shrug? Do there? you know how many times I've walked to the Trader Joe's in Williamsburg thinking this one thought over and over again? <laughs> it's like, it's on the top of my head all the time. It is so fucked up. We live in a society where men are depicted as so much sluttier than women are, where it's like, or like have so much more sexual experience than women do. Cause it's like that one. The only thing is that they could have more sexual experience at a younger age that they're sleeping with old. Like, I think maybe men will lose their virginities earlier or whatever it is. And maybe they're sleeping with older people. Mm. Maybe that's a discrepancy that we do have. And like in that sense, yes. But overall it has to be one for one. Yeah. Unless they're gay. Totally. (laughs) Which that's a whole other That's a whole other story. But yeah, Shoshana losing her virginity, I think, is a really smart, like, we see these girls. So we have Marnie, who's in the secure relationship, and that's where she's having sex. We see Hannah, who's not had that much sexual experience, but doesn't have a serious relationship. So it's still, like, casual sex in a way. And then Jess is kind of using sex as power. And, like, will you know, like very boho about it. So we kind of see those three types of women. And then we get the opportunity to see Soshana, who's like the woman who is like inexperienced. And it's like, we get to see such a like... Yeah, she did one thing over to pants at camp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like cool that, you know, there's barely ever any woman's stories told. 
there's barely ever any woman's sexual stories told unless it's through the lens of a man. Here we get four very unique and layered and different uh, women all experiencing sex in different ways. Oh, 100%. And I think that's a critical part of writing for women in a TV show in Mm -hmm. Sex in the City or Sex Like the College Girls. You need a discrepancy. They all have to have such different sexual patterns. Yeah. And that really is what keeps the show interesting. Yeah. It really does. Okay, now we. I think that was a good now. Okay, we love shows. Well, I, okay. Overall, let's give let's give a one sentence, like one punch, for Shoshana. What's our favorite line from shows? Um, I wore white. I think that's my favorite. I line wore white in the wedding scene when she's just so upset. Like, I wore white. He works in product development, which is perfect oh, yes. for me because I love products is an amazing line from this season from Shosh that I loved. I also just love the kind of repeated line from Shosh whenever some like Jessa does something and she's like, yeah, that doesn't stress me out at all. I'm so relaxed. <laughs> like that whole thing. He works in product development and I love products. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. This is my overall sentence for Shoshana throughout the, the season. Okay. From... Scared virgin to scared unvirgin. That's like totally fetch. <laughs> is mine. Their, yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into our next character analysis. Jessa, Jessa. Johansson. And we just want to say while That's we're so here. so cute. What? He's first and last. Shoshana Shapiro, check. <laughs> next up, Jessa Johansson. And guys, this is huge. I don't know if you're following us online, but we are at HBO Girls Rewatch on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. So follow along with us. Jemima Kirk herself followed us back on our Instagram account (laughs) and reposted it, like reposted our post about her to her story and asked for more Jessa analysis. So we're about to serve that. Jemima, this is for you, girl. (laughs) This is perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> um, okay, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, let's do first scene to last. Well, she's kind of just storming into town. First scene, we see her in the taxi in the boho thing asleep. Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of maybe introduce a new segment to us. It's like, where is Jessa? Where is Jessa? Yeah, we're thinking in season two we'll have a segment where... It's like, where is Jessa? But where is Jessa? It's like, where is she in the head? But also, where is she? Because we never know where that girl is. Because she, of course, doesn't like to tell. She's not sharing her location with anyone. <laughs> I know. People that don't share a location are some of the most mysterious people alive. Well, I have my location shared with 25 people at all times. When you pull up Find My and I see 400 people in their exact <laughs> locations, I get a little afraid. No, it's I use it as Snap Maps almost. So, Jessa, we see arrive from traveling we, uh, it's like is she shucking oysters and yeah she mentioned some country and like thailand or indonesia she's shucking oysters but and she's like coming back to the city and we find out by episode three that it's because she's pregnant and wants to be surrounded by friends you know yeah so which she, she doesn't tell any of the other characters but it's like oh she's going through something and she needs the comfort of her community even though she won't let them know about that but basically the arc of uh, Jessa in this season is that she arrives back from traveling she's staying with Shoshana she's getting an she finds out she's pregnant and she's really stressed by it and she's gonna get an abortion to get rid of it because she's not ready to be she has no interest in being a mom at this time and then we see her um, need a job 
Yeah, she's so needing she, to get a job. So she gets a job as a nanny. She's needing a place to live, so she crashes with Shoshana. Yeah, and we see her um, catch herself, kind of, well, being... Yes. Well, we see her relationship to men, which right now is her being obsessed and addicted to the power she holds over them as a beautiful girl. Um, so we see that played out in the dad in... The dad boss. We've seen the dad. We've seen her ex boyfriend. We see it when her ex boyfriend, who broke up with her, who's the only boy who's ever broke up with her, her trying to like win that and take that power back through her sexuality. And then it ends with her getting married to a guy who she hates. <laughs> Um, Thomas John. Well, I think, yeah, exactly. I think she's such a character, like, doesn't want anyone to get too close to her because then they'll, like, realize she's not as, like, nuanced or cool as she actually is. She, like, really does have feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how she, like, leads all her relationship with men. Mm -hmm. It's, like, even compared to her friends. Like, she's letting, you can see throughout the season, it's so, like, much, like, not, like, hatred for Marnie, but, like, disdain for the way that she operates life and like really rejects all of like what Marnie's essence is in some way to like come around to acceptance and like opening up to her and like they do find like kinship and like the struggle of being a woman alive totally and I think it's really beautiful for her to be pregnant and like want to return to her tribe her urban tribe as it is yeah like finding a comfort in like female energy And you see her really struggle to lean into that. Like, as much as she's craving the warm hug of female friendship, she's also very combative Mm. to anybody being trying... Like, she's yelling at Hannah in the street because she's nervous about her abortion. Marnie is, like, trying to throw the perfect abortion. Jess is not (laughs) showing up. She's running away. Like, she's so scared of the intimacy of a female tribe that it's, like, she's fighting back every way. And in the same thing that, like, Shoshana's so, like, puppy-eyed towards her, she has to push back against that because she's so overwhelmed by how much attention and care these girls have for her because she's used to being ignored. No, or yeah, she's or she used, wants to be ignored. She wants to be ignored. She's afraid to be seen. She loves spending time with men who like, don't hold get on her. Yeah. She's addicted to men seeing her as an idea because then she can hide in that and be, like, celebrated and adored for that without actually having to have any sort of vulnerability. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, even in like, <laughs> I think mean, she gets married in the last episode, and even a person she chooses to marry is like in the most like heavily intensive travel job. Like he's barely gonna be home. Like they do an intense honeymoon. Yeah. After the fact, but then after that, he's like never home. Yeah. And like I think she really likes the fact that she doesn't have to be like so tethered to another person. Exactly. And, and, and what I would also and I think it's very interesting for her to start off the show pregnant and end up married. It's very it's very interesting. It's like she doesn't want I think the season for her is all about her not wanting to take responsibility for her life yet but starting to realize she needs to. Mm. And we see that play out in the way that the abortion makes her realize like, oh, like my choices matter. And what I do affects, like, this, I have to, like, deal with this. And she's so used to running away from her problems, but it's, like, that's a thing she actually has to show up for. Yes. And, like, make a decision about and, like, process and go through. And then we see her try and, like, be this, like, free boho girl. I think it's very interesting that so many brands latch onto the East Coast of, like, chase adventure and, like, that. But I think it's so... Chase the mundane. Be a nanny. 
No, chase the mundane, be a man- Manny even. Because that way you can really find yourself. I think you find yourself in doing just you, the ordinary. What nobody talks about is the ways in which you can find yourself via routine. You talk about it enough. I talk about it, but nobody's listening <laughs> or understanding me or believing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think you feel like, I feel like we have to have conflict in order to find ourselves. Which, like, I think you need an internal conflict, but I think external conflict is not the best way to find oneself. I have so much internal conflict. I don't need external. No, exactly. How are you going to find yourself that way? I know, but then people are like, you're not going to be able to find yourself inside. And I'm like, well, I actually learned a lot spending a lot of time alone during the (laughs) pandemic. This is so 24. (laughs) I'm 25. I'm 24. Okay. Um, Jessa, 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 Jessa. So we see her decide not to fuck the husband, which is a big step for Jessa. We see her pull away from Catherine and Han's husband and be like, no, actually, no. And then we also see her when she goes out with Marnie, pull Marnie away from this guy who wants the three way. Because she's like, ew, why would we give this guy what he wants? He sucks. No, exactly. But then we see Catherine Han go over and talk to Jessa and be like, what do you want? Who are you? I can see that you're flailing. And then Jessa is like, how dare you see that I'm flailing? I'll prove to you that I'm not by checking off the society's like big accomplishment thoughts She's of getting married. Cr- yeah. And, you know, women marry all the time for like money and like oh, the, they the force optics. into it. Yeah, forced into it, etc. And Jessa marrying this rich guy that she doesn't care about is just like highlighting the fact that like. She's just like, oh, this is a path as a woman if you're, like, too scared to, like... It's another adventure. It's one that she hasn't tapped. It's just marriage. Oh, you think it's an adventure? I mean, the way she treats it is... That's true. She really is, like, putting on the show of having a boho wedding. Well, she doesn't want to, like... I think she wants to prove to people that she's not running away from herself, but she still craves, like, having adventure and, like, telling an interesting anecdote. So I think the best way for her to do that in one stationary city, even New York City, is to marry someone crazy. Totally. I, was like, I mean, I yeah. I really think her choosing to get married is her running away from learning anything new about herself and making it seem like she does know herself because what person would get yeah, married if they exactly. don't know anything yet? It's her, like status. Yeah, like it's like, oh, I know exactly who I am. I'm married. I'm a wife. <laughs> she's a perfect character. Like she's a perfect person that you would want to cast on a reality TV show and she would never do it. The thing is, like, she'd be terrible on a reality show because during the the individual (laughs) the individual interview, she'd give us nothing. She no people love. Well, she would actually talk about the other characters in really fascinating ways. I'd love to see her on Survivor. Well, I mean, the closest we get to that, I mean, foreshadowing is when she goes to rehab, and like, and it's like that really is her confessional. She has confessional. God, I'd love to see Jemima Kirk on Survivor. Yeah, she'd be amazing at it. That would be season so 45. Celebrity Survivor. She would her never do and, it. Her in Fiji, please. Take yeah, Let please. her enjoy herself there. Let's not send her on a crazy please, adventure. Please, Jemima. Uh, <laughs> this is our bag. Hey, as a podcast, we're, we're pitching. We're pitching. Jeff? Is that the guy who does it? Jeff Prost. And I knew that. Um, okay, anything else on Jessa? So much. <laughs> Barely scripted a damn iceberg. <laughs> we barely <laughs> scraped the damn iceberg. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, so I, I mean, this is really such an interesting character. And there's, I, 
I think for me, it's like I relate to her in so many different ways, but I don't think I could ever be her. Uh, well, I think an ongoing question we've been asking yes. throughout season one of our podcast is, is Jess a real? And we're always saying yes, but online, a lot of people are saying that's not a real type of person or there's a lot of just like, she is really awful. <laughs> Who is that? Well, I think the essence of Jessa is real. Like we all do crave, at least from my perspective, we all crave to be interesting and be observed and be idolized and like being, I mean, she's the essence of like being a hot, mysterious person, which is the, in so many ways is the ideal figure in our society is being like, so like that's so attractive to so many people to yeah. like be stunning and like be interesting and like not necessarily having a grasp on them and trying to figure them out. But really that's actually a very flawed individual. Totally. And I think we see through Jessa that this ideal that society has put up on a pedestal stool feels so empty. It's the same idea of like we look at these like influencers yeah, or like, or like cool famous people downtown. or like mo- like cool kids downtown. There's such like this idolization of them. But then when you really meet one and sit down with them, they feel so empty. They feel so confused. They feel so isolated. Yeah, they're all like, I want to be creative. And it's like, what? With what? And it's like, DJ. Or like, I mean, they are doing really creative things, a lot of them. But it's also just like the essence of only wanting to be creative. Like, it's. I think it's the essence of. Like, Jess is kind of the idea that like everybody's watching you and idolizing you and not realizing that you feel bad. And the prison. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the prison of being celebrated and seen as whole while you feel completely empty and the suffocation of that dichotomy of the world being like, you're perfect, don't change. And you being like, I'm so miserable. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, and the thing is, what is she going to, I just not receive sympathy in the same way, except from Lena's character because she's so idolized. Like people see her as someone who is actually so like, they don't see her as organized, but they see her as collected and like, confident in identity yeah or it really isn't the case and i think she also sees herself in that way too like she plays into that stereotype she in likes that, people that see her. she likes that hannah thinks she's this like cool boho girl she likes that shoshana idolizes her she likes that marnie is like i wish i was as free as jessa like she loves that because it makes her feel more confident in that even though what it feels like in her body is bad yeah exactly i mean the only two people that really have Lena's ear in this show, we can really... I mean, her mother, I'd say, but really it's like Marnie. It's like it's like Evel, Devil and Angel always with um, with Jessa and Marnie. Oh my Hannah's God, character. you know in Full House when the Olsen twins, no. one's Angel, one's Devil, Mm-mm. and they're like, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, what you gonna do? Okay, sorry. I cut, love Full House. I cut that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. People will relate to that. If you guys haven't seen Tiny Furniture, it's what yeah. the basis of Girls is kind of inspired from. You know, like Judd Apatow got involved because of Tiny Furniture. When she was pitching to HBO, they were like, how can we make what you did with Tiny Furniture into kind of a show? And Jemima plays her friend in it as well. Yeah, her like rich friend that storms into town. Yeah, and in real life, Jemima and Lena have are really good friends. Yeah, have been friends. So it's the, this whole character was written from I think they're friends from growing up even. Yeah. So 
Lena like wrote her in with her in mind. Um, but then there was, they were saying that Jemima was pregnant during the casting oh process of girls. And so <laughs> it was up in the air whether Jemima would actually get to play the character of Jessa and Jessa, Jemima, JJ. Let's think about that. Um, they thought about it. They thought about it. Um, ultimately, Jemima, of course, did get to play Jessa. And I think that she brings a lot of different layers to the role. Okay, so I think it's also very interesting for Jessa to pick a career as a babysitter where she's interacting with uh, children, obviously, and, and her bosses are children. I think she really does have a lot of similarities with children. Can I say it again? Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you know in um, Uptown Girls, when Dakota Fanning, or when um, yes. Brittany, Brittany Murphy is like, you're not the boss of me, your mom is. And Dakota Fanning is like, well, take a look around. Exactly. Because she's so not that. here. I'm like... Her. The kids are so sass, a task. Uh, she kills it in that movie. I no, it is so powerful. I, I mean, exactly. I think Brittany Murphy's character in Uptown Girls and Jessa have a lot in common. They're both they like. They literally do. We kind of get to see Brittany Murphy live on through Jessa in this season. Yeah, that's a really beautiful sentiment. We do, because they both are playing these babysitters. Um, I think it's really cool that both these shows depict Coney Island in such a pivotal way. Totally. And we <laughs> see the New York kid is so self-sufficient. Metropolitan, yeah. It's very metropolitan to bring up Ruby Carp. Um, it's so metropolitan. Like a child growing up in New York City will have to grow up sooner. And Jessa really was a character who didn't necessarily, we don't know exactly where she grew up, but she did have to grow up sooner, it feels. I do think it's interesting when Jess is getting the abortion and she kind of like is yelling at Hannah in the park that she's like, I want to be a mother. I'm going to be a fucking amazing mother. And it's like, then we see her become a nanny and take care yeah, of these kids. That's a really interesting parallel. And then she, ha when, the, when she loses the kid, she's like struck with the reality that like it's a really big responsibility and there's like layers to it rather than just kind of getting up hanging out and being one of them. Oh, that is really sad. I never connected that. And she is so like always thinking about like her role as a woman in society. It's like wife, mother, like that sort of thing. And I think she's really like grappling and thinking about those things through her job and through the abortion and through her eventual marriage. She is thinking. That's so demonstrated. She's thinking. Um, and I think we're going to see her thinking even, even more. more now in the next season with her marriage to Tommy John, <laughs> John Tommy, Don Thomas John, Thomas John, Chris O'Dowd, um, and eventually dealing with the, that big commitment that she doesn't quite bum, know. Bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> so we're excited to see where she's headed next in season two. Woo! Um, and I think we're going to end the first part of this season one recap here, just so the episodes aren't too long. We'll be back next week with the second half of our recap where we really dive into Hannah and Marnie. We're looking forward to it. See you uh, soon. See you soon. XOXO. Gossip, Gossip girl. girl. Bye. Bye.